Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm joined by Jane Hilton, who's the Managing Director of Dragonfly Marketing. What's up, Jane? Oh, Stace, everything's up. It's summertime and I'm in my element. <laughs> I've seen those photos of you on the beach. You and your beach sunrises running up and down. I'm impressed. It's the best way to start a day, the day. I find it really helps with my resilience levels, Stace. Oh, and that's a nice segue. Thank you very much. <laughs> the fabulous ladies from the Possify Group are here with us again. We hope you enjoyed our last episode. This is episode 52 of Miss Bossy Boots. And we spent a lot of time talking about juggling and life and how we get everything together. And we thought we'd kind of continue that now by talking a little bit about some self-compassion. Self-compassion is something that we're all probably a little bit guilty of not um, doing enough of. So we know that there's a lot of our listeners out there that are mums and parents. There's dads as well. We're all, as Stace said, we're all dealing with the daily juggles of work and life and and kids and family and friends and and generally feeling really guilty that we're not doing well at any of it. Um, So can you just tell us why self-compassion is important and how we can help practice self-compassion more day-to-day? I'd like to start on a a personal anecdote because to me, self-compassion has been such a valuable tool, especially over the last few years. And I have the person standing next to me to thank um, for that because I hadn't really um, come across the tools and, and Marianne was talking earlier in terms of learning some of these skills so that when trouble does hit, you've got them as opposed to when you're down, yeah. trying to get your brain to learn new stuff. Mm. Um, so out of a number of personal things that I've gone through over the last couple of years, I've been able to draw on some of those self-compassion tools um, and really seen such a huge difference. And and being a parent, so I'm now a single mum and trying to juggle, you know, oh, am I doing the right thing? Thing by my child, being able to, to stop and to be mindful of those thoughts that are going through my mind and draw on some of those strategies have been absolute lifesavers for me in the process. So I guess in terms of answering from a, a more professional level rather than a personal anecdotal level, um, we get super excited because we see every day, anytime we, and we never know the ripple effect of what we're throwing out there in the world, but um, to hear the bits and pieces of the feedback that comes back and saying, you know, oh, thanks for that tip because I actually went out and tried it and mm-hmm. wow, it made a difference. It makes it a little bit bit more visible. These things are often so invisible. Um, And something like self-compassion tools, it just seems to hit with people um, quite well. So uh, yeah, I'm going to throw over to Maz for the the sciencey bit of it um, because she that's that's why I work as the educator and she's the psychologist because she she speaks to the, well, she's not, sorry to clarify, she's not the psychologist (laughs) yet. The piece of paper is on its way. Oh, she will get into trouble. Oops. I have clarified. Um, but taking the time and, and realising, again, that this isn't happyology, it's not woo-woo stuff, that these yes. things are evidence-based, they are practical and anybody can learn them. They're not hard. They take practice. They can get frustrating when you sort of can't get your head around it at first, but they're accessible to everybody and they do make a difference. Um, so speaking a little bit to what self-compassion looks like, because um, it's, I think it's, it's like mindfulness had its thing, it's had its day, um, and I, the day is continuing because we've all jumped on the bandwagon. To me, self-compassion is the next mindfulness, and I think it's exciting because I, for me it picks up where mindfulness leaves off as well. Um, 
that's just speaking from a personal level, but self-compassion, I think we're, we're really good at being compa- compassionate towards others. You know, when mm. we see a friend suffering or if we see a hard situation with our friends, we're often the first to lean in and say, hey, come on, cut yourself some slack. This is a really tough gig. And gosh, Stacey, you've got a new baby and you're juggling a business and you rocked up on time and you look amazing, by the way. And, <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, like we're really good at that as women. Yeah. And yet when it comes to our own experiences and our own struggles, and we've all got different, again, a different continuum around what a struggle actually looks so like. So true. Yeah. We're our own harshest critics. Yes. Um, and this is definitely been a pain point for me um, growing up, particularly with a little theme as a as an adolescent moving into um, you know young young adults as the imposter syndrome kicking in and yeah. who am I to be uh, you know putting my voice out into the world and really I'm not good enough yet I'm not good enough yet this current thing and also the shame and guilt that I carried along so learning the skills of self compassion have been fantastic so really all it is is having a conversation with yourself and the same level of of acceptance and kindness to yourself as you would to a friend that's the simplest way anybody who wants to get their people geek on come and join me and play around with the work by Kristen Neff she is incredible amazing researcher in this space and she's got a whole team obviously that contribute to her work Um, but breaking it down uh, she sort of sees and describes self-compassion as having three layers so the first one is treating yourself with the understanding and kindness rather than like we were talking about that harsh judgment and criticism Mm. um, or what we talk about that that inner critic that we all really want to just like slay and get rid of Mm. but secondly seeing your experience as common to the larger human experience and that's different from it being specific to me that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yes. I think that one's really important. Because... That's why we do the podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it, it normalises your behaviour. Absolutely. When you hear other people have do- are doing it or going through the same thing, it's like, oh, right. I thought it was just that me that no, was this it's hack not just or this you, imposter. It's all of us. Mm. <laughs> so that's a really important part. And then the third aspect is being really mindful and having awareness and acceptance around your experience your, and keeping your feelings and thoughts in a balanced awareness and keeping them in check rather than kind of isolating in on one of them. Um, so I always suggest that a really nice place to start is just to get comfortable with becoming aware of what's actually going on in your thoughts. Um, and a really good way to position that is to use your body as a barometer. So when people are feeling like they've got heightened periods of stress or they've got that inner critic railing mm. on, it's, it's hyping up, it it actually activates our threat system. So our um uh, fight or flight yeah, yeah yeah well done jane so you don't need to read the women's brain after all. <laughs> that's right familiar so, with the fight or yeah, flight okay yeah. so you know that racing hard yes. is where your, your primal brain really flicks off and sends all those emotional messages and that's fine if we've got a saber-toothed tiger to run from mm. but our current modern saber-toothed tiger is our big box of emails and the problem with that yes. is we don't have anything to physically activate Mm. on that. So we can't use that stress response. So what becomes is a very pervasive and nasty voice that is trying in a way to protect us, but actually it's setting off that threat mechanism that's just not helpful to us. So self-compassion comes in and combats that by activating our mammalian caregiving system. So all those lovely oxytocin hormones, the feel-good hormones. So once you've got that awareness of what's going on in your mind, um, and, and you've done that by picking up on the body signals, like I've got a racing heart, I'm feeling a little bit stressy across my head, wherever it is that you feel stress in your body or upset, then catching that thought, saying, oh, this is a moment of suffering and suffering is part of the normal human experience. And then I like to take that a step further and, and bring in some breathing practice. So it's an awareness of breath. 
And um, one of the things Kristen Neff does, which I think is beautiful, is she uses her hand, she puts it on her heart. So two hands together, which activates, of course, our, our feelings of touch, which we know in terms mm. of all the hugging stuff, that's also yes. really good for oxytocin release. So hand on the heart and saying, this is a normal part of human experience. I'm experiencing suffering. And basically, I'm doing a really good job and I'm okay. Yeah. Um, that's the next step. Uh, and it's just such a simple intervention that every single one of us can do. It's not to replace. Um, of course, we all want to improve. We all want to be able to move forward and 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 have those moments of achievement and celebration. And at the same time, because again, things are dialectical, at the same time, we just need to cut ourselves some slack so that we can go out and do our good work in the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's only in the last couple of weeks that I've heard about breathing in a breathing's always been a tool that you can, oh, why don't you just do some deep breaths and you'll feel better. And that's always been like, I don't have time for that, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep doing what I'm doing, um, keep suffering. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been taught that the physiological difference that breathing makes mm. actually activates the organs that you need to get the right chemicals pumping around mm. to actually calm yourself down. And so breath, for me, has become this whole new thing. Mm. I'm like, oh, Okay, so I will stop and take a few deep breaths and I'm trying to get better at it because the deeper that you breathe and the more time you can take to actually sink into that feeling, gosh, it's making a difference. Mm. And I had no idea before. And so you saying that, I'm like, yes, absolutely. But I can tell there's people probably listening going, breathing, nah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Busy. Yeah. Um, I already breathe. What I already breathe. I'm doing it all the time without thinking about it. So yeah. I'm not putting breathing on my to-do list to tick off. Um, but I'm finding that in those moments, and my moments are um, where I'm suffering the most, is when people need to put their shoes on in my house. <laughs> And we oh. need to get somewhere. Mine's going to the toilet and doing the car seat belt up. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I just... Just to clarify, is that for you? Or for yeah. you? <laughs> Sometimes both. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I should say also, I've got my shoes on yeah. in this situation. My shoes are well and truly on. But getting everybody else's shoes on and getting out the door is like my suffering moment. So being able to stop and breathe in those moments, really deep breaths and trying to change myself physiologically is really kind of I'm going to bring some self-compassion into that moment too now yeah. with my hands here. <laughs> Maggie Dent's a wonderful one for that. Um, I use the Maggie Dent parenting pause, she calls it. Oh, and that's a good, yeah. Just a fancy name for the idea yeah. of taking a breath and that, that moment um, of, of being mindful of where you're at and um, just using the opportunity for, and a little bit different in terms of using breath for self-compassion, but just using breath as an opportunity to have that pause and build that sense of perspective and that um, reconnect with that sense of empathy before acting. I do like Maggie Dent. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good tips. Nice. Yes. Okay. Excellent. So we've we've learned how to be more self-compassionate with, with ourselves. And look, just to add with that, to, to add on to that, um, the breath for me definitely works. Like I've, I've, I've definitely noticed the physiological and to be honest, it's something that I use with my kids too, when they're, you know, crying and you can see that they're getting worked up, just them taking three breaths to just slow that kind of whatever it is that's, it, that's propelling their, you know, um, 
I don't know what it is. You know when kids just cry and cry and it gets worse and they get and they lose their breath and yeah, you probably have a term for it. It's a thing. It's your autonomic nervous response. Oh, so, there we go. Your autonomic <laughs> nervous response. Kids, so in terms of a little bit of brain knowledge here, and I'm not a neuroscientist, but I, I give it a crack. So, <laughs> so our kids have got a, a higher developed. Uh, primitive brain so their emotional center is far more developed than their prefrontal cortex which Ah. does all the control and the you know the attention and all that executive decision making so adults can recognize that they've got their emotions going on and they can turn it straight back over to the prefrontal and say oh time to kick in some self-regulation kids are still developing that yes so breathing comes in at that primal level yeah and it and it helps to to just physically tell your body through your behavior that everything's okay and you're good. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. And it does. And it and it, and it just it does it works at the end of the day. You know, like sometimes the understanding the science behind it will generally help me trust something, but sometimes when you just see it it work again and again and again. It's like, do you know what? I don't care why it works. It just works. So I'm just going to run with it. Um, but the other thing, the, the thing that I struggle with the self-compassion is I am such a harsh critic of myself and, you know, I can do the breath and all that sort of stuff. But when I tell myself, do you know what? You're doing okay. I don't believe it. I don't, I just think that's contrived and you're saying that because you know you have to, but I don't believe it. So is it just a, is it a point of, you know, you just keep saying it to yourself and you will believe it. But sometimes, like, I don't actually think I'm doing a good job, which is why I'm judging myself. So when I just turn around and go, yes, well, just tell yourself you're doing a good job, it's like, well, I don't believe that. So I... <laughs> and around we go. Yeah, welcome to my brain. <laughs> <laughs> There's an incredible TED Talk that I think you should watch. It's by Dr. Joe Dispenza, and it really unpacks the value of faking it till you make it. Um, uh-huh. So I'm hearing you. There is no point in feeling inauthentic in this process. Yes. And at the same time, I'd really encourage you to look at what's blocking you from giving it a shot and just going with the idea anyway. And having having the idea of if my best friend was sitting next to me, what would they say and what would they authentically say? So if, if it's too hard to connect with it within yourself, sometimes we can afford some distance from these things. So that's yes. a process called externalizing, again, for people geeks who are interested. Yes, but that makes to, sense. But to stop and yep. think, okay, so I myself, Jane, aren't ready to have that level of compassion for myself. So what would my imaginary friend Jeanette say in this situation? <laughs> She'd be much kinder. She'd be much kinder. Yeah. And, and practicing this actually works on on the neurocortical connections so that as we fake it, our brain actually doesn't know the difference. Um, ah. And the lessons that we start to rewire then reshape how we perceive ourselves in the world. Um, it's it's hard work. And the other thing that I would encourage is that compassion isn't just something that you can tick and woohoo, I tried that. Yes. It's not as easy as breathing. No. And for people who have got um, some more challenging, and I'm not saying this applies to you, but mm. for people who have got some more challenging um, backgrounds that they bring themselves to, um, I also just want to have the philosophy of, of play it safe, do no harm. So I also want to preface the conversation I should have at the start that really this work deserves a coach. Just yes. like if you wanted okay. to go and lose 20 kilos, yes. right, you'd go and get a sports coach. Well, this work deserves, you deserve the opportunity to work with someone who can help you yes. quickly see those obstacles yep. and jump in front and at the same time provide a really safe, non-judgmental space for you to explore some of the things mm, that come up. That's a good point. Because from a risk perspective, uh, what we know is that when people start to unpack 
unpack some of these emotions and when those blocks do come up sometimes that can let in what what we call in psychology a backdraft so actually right. even just touching on the thought of having that emotional sensitivity towards yourself can be so overwhelming that again our protective and defense mechanism will come in and go boom boom shut down no thanks that's too scary um don't want to go there um and being able to explore this stuff with someone who can give you that space and allow you the time to really unpack what's going on, where the resistance is coming from and why it doesn't feel reasonable mm. um, can be really an interesting, well, in my experience, incredibly rewarding process to go through. Yeah. And I think you touch on a good point then, you know, when your accounting gets too hard for you to handle because you're not a trained an accountant, you go to an accountant, you know, when you're marketing or when, when things in your business become beyond your realm of expertise, you will go and seek coaching or advice. It's, it's the same. But I think it's also not necessarily when it becomes beyond your expe- expertise because in business we know that it's not necessarily productive to wear all of our hats. So we might be able to do it all but we don't have to do it all and we could possibly do it better hmm. with some assistance. Yes. And yeah. I, you know, I long for a world where we have enough um, information and education and access to um, tools where we don't necessarily each individually need to seek that personal coach that our whole society works so well that we can support each other. But in the meantime, how good would it be if you could say to somebody, hey, I think you should go and have a chat to a psychologist or a, or a counsellor because this might help you in this area and the person receiving that information doesn't take it to mean there's something wrong with me. Yes, You don't have to have something wrong with you. And I still, you know, I, I'm quite open in the fact that I've seen a psychologist many times over a number of years for a variety of different reasons, just like I go to the doctor when I've yep. got a cold or I've, you know, worked with a personal trainer when I've wanted to improve my fitness. I haven't been really sick to go to the gym and to exercise. I don't need to be mentally unwell to be able to go and seek support to be better. And of course, if Love I am, that. then yes, mm. I need that. Um, but it should be something that we're seeing in a, in a greater spectrum. Mm, love it. Mm, so great. Um, along with mindfulness that we've spoken about and self-compassion, one of the buzzwords at the moment is happiness. Everyone wants to be happy and we're talking all the time about happiness. How happy are you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, happiness is you know, so that's something that's fluid as well. We don't necessarily all wake up feeling all oh, the happiest and top, top of the world. But are there some hacks that we can do for happiness? Um, positivity tools, some, maybe you guys know apps that I'm completely unaware of, things that you, that you reach into to um, help your home life and your work life. Yeah, definitely. So, um, when we talk about happiness, especially in the positive psychology space, and as we mentioned earlier, our work sits within the science realm, um, mainly that we want to make sure that whatever we're promoting through the Posify group has some evidence behind it and, and generally has extensive evidence. And we run the risk of falling into that happyology space where everyone believes that being happy is the most important thing and experiencing positive emotions means a happy life. But if we draw on the science of happiness um, within the positive psychology space, there are a number of different models, but we draw on what's known or who's known as the godfather of positive psychology, the guy who basically came up with the concept many, many years ago, about 20 years ago, um, no, Professor Martin Seligman, who has a framework called PERMA. It's an acronym for positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And then he's tacked on, 
I always do that slowly because it's a lot to remember. Nailed it. <laughs> <Hence> <laughs> coming up with the acronym of PERMA. Um, but he's also recognised the whole mind-body connection and has since uh, revised it. So it's now PERMA. It's got an H on the end. <laughs> physical health, which I really, I, I grate on, to be honest, because he adds it on as health. And my argument is it's all health. So yes. You can't tag on health because mental health, physical health, emotional health. But when he says the H, he's referring to physical health. Um, so in terms of happiness hacks, we're sitting really in the space predominantly of um, positive emotions. But knowing that these happiness hacks that we'll talk you through a few also translate across those different areas. And according to the science of happiness, we can't just live in that positive emotion space because we're humans yeah. and we want to experience that rainbow of emotions and that makes us humans. And the studies suggest and, and um, very well suggest that when we do understand that, when, when we experience the full range of human emotions and when we do so from a place of, of purpose, of meaning, of connecting with why we are here, how we're here, how we relate together, then that is what leads to a happy life or what is referred to as eudaimonic life rather than just hedonia, as in feeling good. Mm-hmm. Eudaimonia is feeling good and doing good. Mm. Nice. So happiness hack number one. Oh, come on. We are dying to know the happiness hacks. Oh, no pressure. (laughs) Yeah. So I almost want to rephrase it to well-being hacks because like Jen said, this, you know, it's it's about coming into a positive relationship with our spectrum of emotions. But which one do we start with? Okay. Surely you ladies have heard around Instagram and social media, adopt an attitude of gratitude, right? Yes. Yeah. Gratitude's the thing. Hashtag gratitude. Hashtag blessed life. Hashtag gratitude. All that jazz. Well, it comes out of some really good research that identified that practicing spotting the good stuff. So being grateful and thankful for three different things each day. And the trick is to make them three different things and over a 21 day period. And what we've seen happen is that you have higher boosts of optimism, of engagement, of life satisfaction, and a sense that you're belonging in the world is really important and also higher levels of connectedness and then if we extend that onward that sort of idea of gratitude and how we can apply it to others then we see things like random acts of kindness coming out oh I stole your one hang on you take over you take over (laughs) I didn't mean to jump in it's just my favorite Um, and I think why it's my favorite is because I've always loved it. I've always got a buzz out of doing something unexpectedly kind for somebody else. And then when I was in my teenage years, someone was talking about the idea of altruism and, you know, a true um, a true philanthropist or, or someone who really, truly believes in giving doesn't care about the receiving. And it made me stop and think because I've really always loved the process of giving and I don't see why I should feel guilty no. about that process. And so the reason why I love now we've got science to suggest that it's both good for us and them um, is that it validates that it's okay to, to give and to feel good about giving. Yes. So in the process of giving, it's, it's you know, symbiosis. Did I say that right? I always get that word wrong. It's a symbiotic process. Yes. Um, so random acts of kindness. And I actually also love the concept of intentional acts of kindness too, because we, we hark yes. on about racks and racks are great. Um, and, you know, from a simple thing of leaving your $2 change um, when you go to Coles, when the change comes out leaving it for the next person or um, you know buying the person in front of his coffee I know Marianne um, on a holiday a couple of years back when we first started down this journey um, bought one of our favorite magazines and left a little note on it um, sitting by the pool and sort of sat in the background to see who might pick it up and who got 
got excited about reading it. Um, was... and, and did they get excited about reading it? Did you? Were you disappointed? I was so disappointed oh. because nobody came by the poolside to pick it up. Oh no! So <laughs> I hope if you if you scroll through our Instagram feedback, to, I think it was my plot days that we did yeah. that together. It was so funny. If you scroll back, it's like me going, I can't wait, hiding in the bushes, and then <laughs> like an hour later, my kids said, "Mom, this they're is not so coming." Sad. <laughs> Someone will come, but it's not going to be right now, and we need to go get some candy or whatever it was we were doing. So we moved on. <laughs> I think that also speaks to the fact that often people are a little bit skeptical. You know, why yes. you're a stranger? Why are you giving this to me? And if we build a culture of kindness, um, oh, favorite favorite book of mine um, is. Oh my goodness, I've had one of those moments. I've gone blank. Augie Pullman, um, Wonder. Oh, yeah. And I read it with my beautiful year nine English class last year and we got to go to the movies. And at the end of the book, I won't spoil it, but at the end of the book, there's a quote that says, always be a little kinder than necessary. And if Mm. we were to build a society based on kindness, then yes, we can't run around with rose-coloured glasses and expect that everyone's going to be nice to us and we have to have, you know, those moments of understanding and, and safety and all of that jazz. But I think if more of us are running around doing these acts of kindness, then perhaps that scepticism might fall a little bit. And if we're one of those ones who, you know, receives the coffee. And the other one is be okay to receive. We're both givers um, predominantly and we're not great at accepting. I'm a really bad receiver. Yeah, and quite often somebody will, you know, offer to promote our business or, you know, want to take some photos for free for us or something. Oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to repay them? To actually just say thank you because they feel good. Yes. They feel good in giving. So don't take that opportunity away from them. Gosh, that's a really good tip because I can't tell you how many times people have offered and I go, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it because I think, you know, what are they going to expect in return or, or, or are they going to think ill of me because they'll think, oh, gosh, you know. She's a taker, or what? You know, I just, I all, I go into again, probably just self judgment of, oh gosh, you know, what, what does that make me if I just take that gift? So on that note, I'm going to set a challenge for you, Jane Hillston. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you heard it first in this Bossy Foods podcast. <laughs> I might not accept it yet. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, valid point. It's a nice challenge. I hope. Yeah. I remember a conversation we had a little less than a month ago where I said, "Let's go for coffee." Oh. Oh, and yes. let's unpack some practical strategies that you can do for your own purpose journey. Yes, you did. Are we going to have that did. coffee day? Yes, next week? yes. But do you? <laughs> yes, okay. All right. I will. I will take that. I will take that. Do you know what I was actually thinking that you were going to use as an example? Uh oh. So, um, Marianne and, and my two, my our daughters go to school with oh, each other. They long back. and no, no. It's like literally this week. And oh, um, food. Yes. And, oh. I, and we're hosting. Uh, well, this will be past the the surprise, so it won't be. We're hosting a surprise party this weekend, and Maz very kindly offered to do um, to make a cake or to contribute in some way. And my automatic reaction is, "Got it covered." No, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry. I don't know what, it's just my default, you know, don't worry about it. And um, I thought you were actually going to say, you need to allow me <laughs> to bring cake, but it is actually cool because we do have it covered. Oh, good. Because I did actually end up accepting, I did end up accepting someone, someone kind of just probably insisted a little harder and I went, okay, all right, fine. But probably thinking, oh, it's going to make her, her feel better if she actually contributes to this. So I will say yes. And full disclosure statement, because that's coming from someone who is 
I would say worse than Jenna at accepting things myself. Like, so that I, I'm saying that with a lot of love. And yes, no, I get it. No, I think that's I good. often have to actually flag with Marianne when I'm trying to give her something. Hey, if you don't accept it, you're taking away from me, and don't you do that. It's my right to give to you. Thank you very much. Yes, I love it. Can we finish up with a hack for all those women out there who are just wanting an instant motivation and confidence boost? Go. All right, cool. I'm not sure if you ladies have come across Amy Cuddy's work. If you haven't, you must Google her instantly, maybe after the podcast, actually. (laughs) Uh, She's got a brilliant TED Talk, but her research is all about the power of body language. So what our body language does to not... Yes, she's got it. James is still up straight. She's striking that. So yeah, for everybody listening at home, Jane automatically struck the pose. So for all you super women out there, even if you're not feeling like it today, there's a lot of research that suggests just striking a pose like Superwoman, whether that be with your hands on your hips or if you want to fist pump the air, then go for it too. And I would challenge to add a smile to that equation. Now, for anybody who wants to people geek it out, the reason that works is because, again, our brains don't know the difference. They don't care if there's a significant event as to whether or not you're putting your hands on your hips for confidence or whether you're just doing it because you can. Mm. So let's trick our brains and optimize on that because it's an instant boost of confidence, instant Mm. boost of optimism, and it allows us to lean into the very best versions of ourselves and have sometimes those really tricky conversations. Love it. Love it. And to tack on to that, if you happen to do it with a group, I do it in the classroom all the time, especially leading into exams to a, or public speaking moments. And it doubles up as a, a great confidence booster and generally also leads to a whole room of going, oh, my goodness, that's really embarrassing. And then laughter. And, yeah. of course, laughter does the same thing, whether it's genuine or not, tricking our brain into our behaviour matters and, and that, that moment of laughter. And by the end, usually I've got 30 kids standing there quite proud, striking the superhero pose. I love it. That's awesome. This has been so good to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for taking all of this time. Well, I think we've had just as much fun, if not more, than you two ladies. <laughs> <laughs> We're here all the time. You should come back and join us. Yeah. Oh, we'd love to. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So our website, the www.theposifygroup.com.au or follow us on social media at Posify Group. Marianne does a wonderful job taking the lead of Instagram and I even log in on a daily basis just to see her tips, even though I work next to her. <laughs> You'll often find me in my personal account liking our business account. And you're like, hey, that really That's worked great. for me today. Yes, dude. <laughs> That's nice. And if you want to remember Posify, it's like Posify like Spotify. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So again, possibilities occur if and when you find your why. An acronym. Beautiful. I love it. We love that. Goodness me. So much to take in. I've got notes here. You weren't taking notes, Jane, because you were standing in front of the mic, but I was just furiously writing things down. So another fabulous episode of Miss Bossy Boots. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to find us, you can reach out on our Instagram. At Miss Bossy Boots Podcast. Sorry just to throw you in on that, Jane. And, of course, we're still on Facebook as well. We're at facebook.com slash Podcast. As we head towards the end of the year, we hope you are keeping uh, nice and happy and that you are finding time to breathe and getting getting through all the things on your to-do list <laughs> and finding your why. Right, Jane? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uncovering your why. Uncovering <laughs> your why. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on Miss Bossy Boots and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Look, this is just awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I think we've got so much more to talk about. 
because we could just talk all afternoon. Do you guys mind if we kind of wrap this up now as far as this episode goes, episode 51, and then um, get you back in to do some more chatting? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely love that. Thanks. This has been so much fun. Thank you for offering a platform for us to bring some of this knowledge with everybody. We would love to come back. Cool. That's awesome. If you wanted to find uh, more on you guys, where can people find you if they can't get enough and they don't want to wait for the next episode? Oh, we'd love that. <laughs> www.theposifygroup.com.au, P-O-S-I-F-Y. And uh, follow us on social media at Posify Group. That'd be great. That's We'd awesome. Love to see you there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We are the Miss Bossy Boots podcast. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. 